Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Dr. Sanaa Labron. She is awesome. Uh, she has a great show that I watch on uh, YouTube, uh, Etsy Shop. We're going to get into that where she has a lot of, uh, of these digital uh, workbooks and uh, guides that are all about, you know, you seeking out your purpose and, and goal setting. And this conversation is really going to be about, you know, how do you find your purpose? How do you define success? How do you seek out goals uh, for yourself? And I wanted to have her on not only because of what she's doing, but we are, these past couple of years have been just something else. And, you know, I, I go on YouTube and I keep watching these videos of, uh, I don't dream of labor or the great, uh, resignation people just like i'm done i'm quitting these jobs but some of these people are like i had a six-figure job i quit uh i'm not quitting without something left yeah i got bills i don't know about them but uh there's a lot of things going on so i want to have her on so if you are in a place in your life where you feel stuck and may not know how can you get out of that funk how can you feel more inspired she uh dr sanah is here to get you going so for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Dr. Sanaa? Yes. Hi. I am so excited to be here with you today. Um, this is really a treat to be able to talk with you about all of these topics that you have laid out about goal setting, about redefining success and about, you know, keeping yourself motivated and inspired. That is exactly what I do through my podcast. I love Mondays with Sanaa. And then as you mentioned in my Etsy shop, um, Purpose Over Vanity, I offer these various resources on how to actually go for your goals. You know, what does that even mean? We talk about it a lot, but you have to have a strategy. And so I provide digital resources for folks to do just that. Awesome. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up and what attracted you to education? Yeah, that's a great question because when I was much younger, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I remember being in early, you know, elementary school thinking like, oh, I want to be a lawyer, you know, when they ask you on career day. But past that, you know, once I got into middle school, high school, and even when I was in undergrad, I had no clue. I had no idea whatsoever. But what I did know was that I really liked learning. I love to share what I learned. And of course, in undergrad, you have professors who are doing just that, right? And I was like, wow, how cool is that to have a career where you learn stuff and tell people about it? <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I think that would be, you know, the career for me. But you know, the universe had a different idea. So it wasn't kind of a direct line for me from, you know, undergrad to a PhD program. Um, 
Dr. Will, nobody wanted me in a PhD program. So I had to find a job because yes, bills. And I don't know about you, but my, my dad was not going to let me just live with him post-graduation without, you know, having a job. <laughs> so um, I ended up working in uh, social services, case management, nightlife, and then finally saying, you know what? I really would love to be a professor. I really would love to work in the university setting and do research. Uh, let me apply, you know, one more time to a PhD program. And then if I don't get accepted, then maybe I'll do something else. Um, but as I guess luck would have it, or <laughs> however you might want to make sense of it, I did get accepted into a couple of different PhD programs. And then of course, got the PhD in sociology, got the tenure track job. And so now I am, you know, learning stuff and telling people about it. Hey, that's amazing. That's amazing. Alhamdulillah. I'm trying to get into higher ed. Every, every time I see a job that I apply for, I never get the interview. Mm -hmm. I never get to. I do remember getting one email saying, "We love your qualifications, but you were not selected." And I was almost thinking, like, you could have just not emailed me. Just, just, just. Yeah. That, I think that would have been better uh, than to get to, than to get that message. And it's interesting when you talk about the case management because people, like educators, of course, you know for sure we're overworked and we take stuff to the house but what i find interesting in people who do that case management work is you could have you know 60 families or clients you work with as one individual mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't know how anyone expects you to do that especially when someone says oh we're going to pay you forty thousand dollars or whatever on top of that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's a wild ride right there. Yes, yes. And, you know, I quickly learned case management was not it for me, even though I have a heart for children, I have a heart for families. But, you know, so often in those jobs, we just don't have the resources to really do the work that's needed to really provide um, what families need, right, and what children need. And so it can get very, it can be very disheartening. Um, and so I knew that that, like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that forever. Oh, no, no. I'd, I'd lasted 30 days and I've been out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm surprised I'm still working where I am right now. I'm just like, okay. Uh, so you mentioned how, hey, you know, you're at the university level doing the work that you love. What gets you out of bed in the morning? And how did you figure out what you really wanted to do? Mm, yeah. So what gets me out of the morning, out of bed in the morning is just the knowledge that it's a new day. It's a new day to make however and whatever you would like out of it. And that is the exciting thing to me. You know, whatever happened yesterday, it ended last night. And sometimes that can be some good news because you might have had a bad day <laughs> yesterday, um, but it's over. And so now you have this brand new opportunity to create, you know, whatever it is you would like out of your day. And that's what really gets me out of bed in the morning, just those possibilities. I get excited about, you know, just thinking like anything can happen. Anything is possible. Okay. Let's rewind right here. <laughs> uh, uh, 
how did you get that mindset? Because most people, and I can just speak for myself. <laughs> um, if I have a day at work that's challenging, which I have had several of those since school has started, given my position, I don't wake up the next day thinking it's a brand new day <laughs> of possibilities. You know, sometimes I have to tell myself, mm-hmm. um, let's just, let's go. Let's <laughs> leave the house. Uh, <laughs> because there are many times I leave just uninspired. I even told my wife, I said, look, I took a shower, I'm refreshed, but I'm uninspired. <laughs> uh, so I just leave the house. How, how did you get to that point where, you can wake up and say, it's a new day. New things will come. Yeah, because I think, you know, we have a decision to make, right? If we think about all the terrible things or think that something is not going to be a good day or we just focus on all the bad, that is what we will see, regardless of if maybe objectively, right, there are bad, terrible things happening. But that's all that we'll see because we will just confirm, right, our beliefs, And so, no, that doesn't mean that I'm having great days every day or that, you know, there aren't terrible things that are happening or bad news, Um, but I just don't choose to give my whole day to those like feelings of negativity. And it's not to say, oh, I'm trying to be positive about everything. Absolutely not. I don't think that's healthy, Um, but it's just that I'm not going to give you know, day after day after day to being, you know, so down and, you know, just that terrible, horrible, no good, you know, feeling that can continue if, if I continue to think that way. All right. You're another level. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know if I'm going to get there, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try You know, sometimes when I'm having, you know, when I feel like I'm in a slump, I challenge myself, I I get up in the morning, I say today is going to be a great day. And I say there's something awesome and amazing that's going to happen today. You know, like, what is it? And throughout the day, I'm looking for it. So again, it's just trying to look for the good, look for something that I can get excited about. And again, it doesn't have to be something major. It can be something small and seemingly insignificant, uh, but just looking for something to get excited about. Um, And it just kind of makes me feel a little bit better, even if, you know, the world is on fire. (laughs) Okay, I'm, I'm trying it tomorrow. Okay. Because today was just one, one, no days, one, no days today. So as I mentioned earlier, you have this Etsy shop, uh, mm-hmm. wonderful uh, products that I look through. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. Along with your, your goal setting workbook and other things, what was your intention in creating that shop mm-hmm. and creating those uh, products for people? And I saw the the feedback as well people are like oh this is great it's amazing and all i said oh doc is doing it over here uh what was actually gnawing at you right that made you say that you have to write this particular gold workbook you have and the other products that you have yeah i just really believe in people um i feel so 
full of hope and excitement for other people going after their goals, whatever goal that may be. And I think that everyone should be able to pursue those goals. And I think I'm a natural encourager. I'm also a natural, um, or I shouldn't say natural, but it's been cultivated over time for me to um, think about ways to do things, systems, right? How to make instructions clear. And when it comes to goal setting and creating a system to go for your goals, I know that. And I want more people to be able to have access to that versus just doing, you know, the workshops that I do. But here, this is a resource that people can, you know, download, have it on their tablet, print it out so they can return to it and actually go through step-by-step the strategies for going after your goals. So I wanted that to be accessible to everyone because I do believe that we can all go for our goals. We just might not know how. So... I'm now I'm curious to know what was an aha moment for you that you that came to you and you said, I can have everything that I want out of life, right? That taught you that you could take ownership over your life and your, and your career. And earlier you you mentioned how you always like, hey. I can do this. Today's going to be a new day. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But when those ideas or that mood or that feeling hit, hits you, what do you do immediately to kind of calm that gremlin down <laughs> and to get you back on track? Ooh, well, so one, I think at at the foundation is uh, my father just always gave me that space and love and support where I just had this ridiculous idea that anything was possible. And I think when we have people in our lives who, who love us, who support us, who give us space to make mistakes, but who we know will always be there for us, that gives us a freedom to take risks and to, you know, pursue our goals and to see what's out there in the world, right? We feel safe to explore. And so I think that's a big part of this orientation to life that I have just from childhood, having that foundation of love and security where I could go out and explore, you know, whether that's explore the world or just in my thoughts, right? Just kind of explore. So I think that's a big part of it. But I think the other piece, when you talk about, you know, how did I kind of come to this idea that I had ownership over my life and over my career is actually kind of the reverse that happened that made me feel more comfortable in pursuing kind of my goals or creating, you know, this life um, that I really enjoy. And what I mean by that is, I had a lot of experiences that showed me that I had no control, that I had (laughs) to kind of release my control and from that, you know, rely on God. And so in that, I don't have to worry about a lot of different things. I don't have to try to force things to happen. I can actually rest in the knowledge that, you know, Things may unfold how I think they will, or they may unfold how I don't want them to, (laughs) but that it will be, you know, in the end, it will be okay. 
And so I think that also just gave me a sense of a freedom and a calmness with which to approach kind of my everyday. So how do you stay connected to your goals? Because you work in higher ed, you work in a field where I have no personal experience with outside of being a student, but on Twitter, so many people that I follow work in higher ed and, and, and they talk about the academy and how tough it is, particularly when you are a person of color. Mm-hmm. And I watched The Chair. I don't know if you watched The Chair on, on, on Netflix, mm-hmm. but after that show was there, people were like, oh my God, they, I feel triggered. You know, they were just <laughs> yeah. talking about everything. And, and being that you are in higher ed and you are on this 10-year track, and I don't know what your career goals are long, long-term in higher ed, but if you have to experience or see anything like anything that I'm seeing on my timeline, how do you stay connected to your goals and moving forward when in this ivory tower, and I know you have other things outside going, but there's a, there's a game that's played and and it seems like it's rigged Mm -hmm. against people who look like we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I didn't watch the chair for that reason. Cause I'm like, I already lived this. I don't have to watch it. Like I, when I'm not at work, I don't want to be at work. Right. Like I don't want to invite that into my home. Um, so I did not watch it, but I, I read a lot of the reviews and of course saw a lot of the conversations on Twitter, but yes, to your point, I was like, you know what? I don't need all that, all of that <laughs> um, in my, you know, coming with me on my couch. I don't need that. Uh, For me, you know, so there's a a few different parts. Number one, I'm not overly identified with my job. It's my job and I do really enjoy it. And I definitely appreciate the flexibility that I have. And I'm very thankful for the support that I have, you know, with my colleagues in my particular department, but who I am, I'm not my job. So I say that because There are stressors from the job. There are realities of the job that I don't have to internalize about myself that I don't think reflect on me because I'm not overly identified with the job. The job is not my identity. It is something I do. It's something I enjoy. But me at my core, that's always going to be me in this job as jobs do come and go, right? And so I don't feel those really just that internalization of everything that's happening um, on a, a personal level, right? Um, so I think that's a big piece of it. So I don't have to feel like this is my whole world. <laughs> and so when various things happen, I don't have to feel like, you know, it's something about me. Okay, I used to, I would tell people, I just work here um, at, my, at, my, at my work. But it's interesting that you say that because I don't know. I just, I just have this fondness for academia. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I've never been there. I could get a job and be like, y'all can have this thing. But I keep having visions of myself wearing the little sweater with little patches, <laughs> with the patches on the elbow uh, in the classroom. You know, I, I keep having these things like we're going to have great conversations about ideas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when you say, hey, it's just a job, 
I need to do that. I need, I really need to go back to that because a couple of years ago when I was having just high anxiety with my job and I was just ready to quit, I just say, you know what? I work here. Mm-hmm. And when I go home, I go home. I don't, I, I'm not dealing with emails. I'm not dealing with phone calls. I will see y'all when I see y'all. Mm-hmm. But since the pandemic hit and I've been more sort of entangled in what things have been going on, like, because my job is at the center of that, mm-hmm. I have been again taking on more and I've been just like going, 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 going and approaching burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. because I'm like, you know, especially when I'm working with teachers and I'm like, what? Y'all don't see this? I live this life. We're talking about online teaching and learning because I love it. And so in working with teachers, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm yeah, I'm getting to that point now where I'm like, look, I got to go. I got to go. Because I'm not feeling like I'm really not waking up with mm-hmm. joy, which I should be because I woke up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, ah, oh, it's just not happening. <laughs> yes, it can be hard. But, you know, I think, well, one, I think it's a, a lie of capitalism that we are our jobs. And I think we do internalize that. Um, and so we think our jobs are, you know, some calling and especially for a lot of educators you know we often feel like this is our calling and then I I think when we make that shift into thinking this is our calling we do become overly invested sometimes to the point where we do feel that burnout for sure and you know we do feel um, exhausted and we wish we could do more and it is often our passion you know so we want to we enjoy giving the extra time too right Um, but it can become dangerous when there's nothing else you know filling our cup or when these institutions you know really show us who they have always been and you know, that can be disheartening too, if you're tying your calling up into an institutional space that never wanted you and is never going to expand. I shouldn't say never, but it is um, unlikely maybe to expand to really include you. Mm. See, you're reawakening and realigned some (laughs) things in me right now, because I'm I'm ready. Now I'm good. I'm good now. I think tomorrow it's going to show up. If I yeah. wake up, it's going to show up and be like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So how do you deal with friends and family members who don't support your growth? Because you, you're so, I'm hearing you right now. You're so positive. You're so about moving forward and, and just, just living life to its fullest. It reaches your highest potential. But sometimes, your biggest haters are family members and the people you share a bed with. <laughs> How do you deal with those people when they don't want the same for you that you want for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't deal with those people. 
because it's not my job to convince you um, to get you on board because you don't have to be on board for my growth. My growth is for me. It's not for you. So therefore, it does not need your 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 approval or your validation. So that's completely separate. I don't I don't look for permission from people on my growth. If I know it's actually for my good, I don't need anyone else's approval for that. So people who are unsupportive have no space in my in my inner circle, right? Like obviously there are some relationships whether that's family or friends that might be forever, um, but you don't get to intrude in my space and bring your own limitations and put them onto me. If I see that happening, then I have to distance myself because you're going to become a stumbling block to me. And I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone else. And I don't allow people to be stumbling blocks to me. Mm. <laughs> see, I just, already, I just got the name of this episode just from you talking <laughs> right, right now. Oh my goodness. You put some Memphis barbecue sauce on that answer right there. <laughs> on that answer. My goodness. Uh, so I want to throw this out there to you uh, because when people are looking for that person to have in their, li in their life and they're mm -hmm. looking to build something, sometimes you have that individual who is like, I'm okay where I am in the station of my life. I'm good. And you have that other person who's like, you may be good, <laughs> but I'm trying to own the world. Mm -hmm. And they're working, like they're grinding and they're working hard and they may be going, they might say, look, I'm about to go to med school or law school, or I'm going to get this doctorate, or they're, they're doing all of these things to again push themselves because they have these goals of look i'm trying to do this mm -hmm. but the person over here is like i'm good mm -hmm. whatever they're doing they're good now sometimes they can still work that out if that person who says i'm good is not saying hey why aren't you here you're not spending the same amount of time with me or we used to go out to do this but I, we don't do this anymore because you, you're doing this. Uh, you know, some, you know, sometimes it's all good because the person, they're like, hey, you do, you do, I'm good, I'm good. But sometimes there is that conflict mm -hmm. because this over here is going to interfere with this over here. And even, and I watched one of your show, you talking about, you was like, you was like, you know, you know, your romantic dude got the lawn business he's launching <laughs> yeah. and you're saying, hey, you know, with this, you know, there's some things on my end I have to adjust and deal with. So how do people work that out? Yeah, because that's tough because there's some relationships we can't just leave behind, you know? Um, and so I think it, it comes down to a few things. So one, you know, first I just want to, you know, emphasize there's a difference, of course, between someone being content and someone being complacent. So you have to understand, like, if people are content, that's fine. We should, hopefully we will reach a place where we can be content, right? But complacency, which is more to your question, right? 
that's where that conflict comes in when you have someone who's complacent and then someone else who's really like no I am you know plotting world domination <laughs> um and so I think it comes down to communication, of course. It's always going to come down to communication and also thinking about values. So if your values are aligned, then maybe some of the other things that y'all differ on will be okay, right? It's difference of opinion or difference in preferences. And that is something that you just have to give space for because certainly all of us have things that our partners, friendship, family, whoever, you know, y'all aren't the same. You aren't you know, you're two separate people. So you're not the same on everything. And that's a good thing. But as long as it's not a difference in values, it can definitely be accommodated, right? That's where that lovely C word compromise comes in. <laughs> so I think sometimes it's about communication and thinking about like, is it support that I need, right? Just that support being, you don't make me feel bad about you know, pursuing these goals and you allow me that space to maybe have those changes to my schedule um, while also knowing, you know, it's all love between us, right? Um, but don't try to stop me, right, from what it is that I'm doing. Uh, so I think it's about communication and then, of course, compromise. <laughs> mm. When you said that, that made me think about insecure, and it was a, and this was this is when I stopped watching it after that. But when she thought her dude, I don't know this guy's name, but she thought her dude was complacent because he was not going out trying to do some stuff. But she was like, "Look, I'm trying to get out here and do this stuff," and then she ended up cheating on him. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then of course, you know, people on Twitter and out in these streets were kind of picking sides. And my thing is, you don't cheat on nobody ever, but especially if you feel like, hey, you could be doing better, you need to have that conversation. And then that person is like, look, again, whether you think they are content or complacent, if they're not where you want them to be, then you need to say, I'm done and roll out. But, you know, that's just me. I know I just went on a little tangent right there, <laughs> but it made me think about that when you said the difference between being content and complacent mm -hmm. mm. yeah <laughs> well you are showing out tonight doc you are showing out uh so I, I i like to i've described this podcast in so many different ways to people but i i do tend to tell people that this podcast is about it's for educators who want to live a life that they don't need uh, a vacation from where they're really excited about uh, being an educator, they love what they're doing, and they're not looking at that calendar going, okay, this is Thanksgiving break, this is Christmas <laughs> break, this is spring break. A lot of us do it, even I do it. Uh, and uh, when you're sort of figuring out what that life should be, Mm -hmm. how what does that life look life look like for you yeah uh you know that life actually looks like my life right now you know mm -hmm. and yeah and that's not to say I um don't appreciate a great vacation because I definitely do okay look we still need rest 
that is always a must, but the, I don't, it's not a life where I feel like, oh, I need to escape right? And that's, I think, the difference, right? I have a life now where I'm not waiting for those um, breaks so that I can escape my day-to-day because it is starting to wear on me and I am feeling that burnout or I'm, you know, dissatisfied with, you know, what my life is looking like. So I think the rest part is always going to be there no matter what, because right now I do feel like my life is, you know, I guess the life of my dreams. I actually never really thought about it in that way <laughs> until you just asked me. But, you know, for me, that means I have that flexibility with my time. Of course, being a professor in the university setting, I have, you know, more flexibility kind of in my day versus a strict, you know, nine to five in an office or in a classroom. And I know that for me, just based on the other jobs I've had that have typically been kind of like out in the field or some sort of flexibility in the, in, within the work day. So having that flexibility, you know, over my time is a definite must. Um, You know, a lot of things that make a job or career, um, you know, enjoyable are also fortunately or unfortunately about your coworkers. (laughs) Um, I've had a lot of different types of coworkers and a lot of different types of supervisors. So I know that also makes or breaks kind of how enjoyable your kind of work life is. And so again, just very blessed to have a real chill, you know, department, supportive, you know, supervisor. And, but that's something that's outside of my control. You know what I mean? Um, So I think we'd be talking differently if I had to navigate some of those trickier workplace uh, relationships. Um, But I think those are a big piece. But then also just beyond, you know, what we think about as work, but just thinking for me, what's part of that, like, life that I love is the relationships, the quality of my relationships, um, vulnerability, being able to be vulnerable in my relationships and have that reciprocated. And it's taken me a long time to get to that type of place and space in my life. And then, you know, creating community, but also serving community. Um, And I think that's really key is, you know, trying to make a difference, trying to be part of, you know, positive social change. And so all of those together really create, you know, a life that I don't want an escape from. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. I'm trying to get there. I look, I, the pandemic was popping for me at first when school shut down, I was like, I'm working from the house. This is amazing. (laughs) And when I had to go back, I was like, Oh, because I enjoyed the, I, like I said, I enjoyed the flexibility of mm-hmm. being at the house. Yeah. And even though the workload really doubled for me, but it didn't feel like it because I, I had the, the time like, oh, let me go uh, take me a little break here. Or well, I'm in my house. I Oh, uh, check out a little something right here. You know, I just had to take a look. You know, I was good. And I didn't have to you know, go through the whole thing of uh, like getting dressed, dressed for work. Not that it's a problem, but sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't know if I really want to do this today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like all good. And then, you know, we, we came uh, back last year and now we're still back. And um, I, I that's one of the things I, I told the wife was like, I want to find that online job or some sort of hybrid situation where I come in two days a week 
and just yeah. do the rest from the house because I really don't want to show up anywhere every day. Yeah. I really don't. I'm at a point now. I'm like, mm, I'm I'm getting to. I'm I'm kind of kind of done with that. <laughs> I understand. Okay, I'm done with that. So er, previously, you mentioned about not needing permission mm -hmm. uh, from anyone and. I, I want to end this uh, conversation by asking you about, because uh, you also mentioned that you are not your job. Mm -hmm. How can people avoid that trap mm. of feeling, right? Um, and getting wrapped up into those things of, the job title or the money or the stuff, mm. you know, those things that make them feel as though they can't do something else. They can't seek something that they may be feeling, wow, this could be more fulfilling mm. to them because, you know, they look outside and they see the Land Rover. And they're like, yo, I got marble countertops and I'm VP of this or director of that. And if I leave all of this to go do this, which may be speaking to my heart, this here, <laughs> right? This here will go away. Yeah. Uh, you know, or you get caught up of, you know, you're going to these you know, these events and these dinner parties. And it's kind of cool to say, you know, what do you do? I am the vice president of so-and-so. And when you go, that title going to be, that title is going to be gone if I go do th this. How do people avoid that trap of getting caught up yeah. in all of those things? I think you have to, first, you definitely have to define success for yourself. So what does success look like for you? And that could be a lot of different things, right? Success could be having time to spend with family and kids. Success could be having, you know, financial security so that if something happens, you know, I have money, right? I don't have to feel, you know, kind of stressed out about that. Um, success could be whatever it is for you. And that's outside of what society defines success success as, right? So you have to define it for yourself or else you will always be trying to live up to someone else's expectations or definitions of success. It's very hard to do though, because sure it feels good when someone, you know, gives us that uh, respect from the title or, you know, people are like, ooh, the car, the house, you know, all those material things. But we really have to define success for yourself if you want to have, um, have that freedom, right? And have that kind of like inner um, contentment, right? <laughs> um, so defining success for yourself. And then I think along with that is knowing your values. Because once you actually know your values, everything else becomes a lot simpler. The decisions you make, what you say yes to, what you say no to, 
if you know your values, then you can make those decisions much easier. Then you can, you know, quit the job or make the change and you can feel good about it because it's aligned with your values and it's helping you to achieve what you define as success. So I think I would say those two things, define success for yourself and then know your values. Mm. That's all right. That's all right. And go to Doc's Etsy shop so you can start that that, yes, yes. Start that journey. Start that journey. Doc, thanks for coming on the show. Yes, thank you. It's such a pleasure. You're welcome. You're welcome. I had a great time uh speaking with you today. And uh again, enjoy the uh the YouTube channel and those things. Um, so uh people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So I need you to subscribe, listen to the actual episode, and again, share and leave me some reviews, people. Come on, I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show. And I want to know that I'm doing big things around here. Again, I like to thank my guests, Dr. Sanaa Laborn for coming on and dropping so many gems. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace.